Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So what's the future of the border? What's it going to look like? The tarnished of Simon Coveney, Coveney, Simon Coveney, rename him. Uh, Simon Coveney has said uh, proposals for customs clearance zones. Now, these zones that RTE were speaking about uh, last night in this leaked document on both sides of the border would be a non-starter. Zones whereby the vehicles would be checked maybe 10 miles north of the border, 10 miles south of the border. Let me speak to Seamus Lehany, who's from the uh, Freight Transport Association. Uh, Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Seamus, how do you see this working? I don't, I don't mean uh, your criticism of it, because I presume there will be criticism, but in terms of what was revealed by RTE last night, how, how does it work? Well, fundamentally it works. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's conceding, really, that yes, okay, there will be customs checks, infrastructure required. Um, that's something the government has tried to talk around for about the last year, that technology could avoid all infrastructure. So what it primarily means is that they would propose a 10-mile buffer zone on either side of the border. So 10 miles north of Neary, 10 miles south of, of, of let's say, the bordered Ravensdale there, where there would be a customs post. So somewhere between Neary and Banbridge, we'd be looking at a facility there. And what would what would be required is that a vehicle, if a lorry is leaving Belfast this morning, it would go to the customs check facility um, at Banbridge, where it would undertake, you know, um, paperwork checks, potentially identification checks of the vehicle, and maybe even physical inspection of the of the goods. Once it's all um, the boxes are all ticked, it's it's cleared. Then it proceeds on its journey southbound, and in that time, it's tracked using a tracking device on the lorry in real time GPS. So the lorry trundles along down the A1 onto the M1, then goes off the main road into the customs check in the Republic. And what they do, they, they just match that what left the customs facility on Banbridge is the same goods that arrive into Dundalk and then make sure that relevant duty, etc. is paid on that and check the paperwork and then it proceed its journey. And what about, um, so what, about yeah, what, what about a lorry that would start its journey, say, in Warren Point and was going to Dundalk? How, how would it be exactly. checked? Well, that, this this is why the, the system's flawed. Um, the, this system really is based on a system that the English have already um, devised for Dover. So it works perfectly on, a Do- uh, on Dover Calais, for example, because you've got a single point of entry. Goods are arriving on a ship. There's a lead time. There's a manifest. You know it's arriving. So that example in warm point is that ultimately, yes, that vehicle, instead of taking the fastest, quickest way to Dundalk, would have to travel north to Bambridge to the, the customs facility, undergo the checks, paperwork, etc., and then return southbound again uh, to Dundalk to make its delivery. So that has complications where um, above and beyond what we're going to talk about, you know, the designated routes, delays, extra costs, red tape, etc., it's, it's the added mileage and it's the time of the vehicles having to do this, and that would be replicated, that scenario would be replicated right along the, the border here in Northern Ireland where your vehicles may be leaving Derry Lynn to, instead of going to Ballyconnell across the border, having to travel to Enniskillen to undergo checks to then make their journey back across the border. 
Um, there's a lot of flaws with it, Frank, and it really it contradicts all of the advice that all of the business organisations here in Northern Ireland have been given the UK government the last two and a half years, including myself. A lot of honourable people have stuck their necks on the line, outlined um, the restrictions about how a system like this would actually operate. Um, how would it impact, especially the, the small and medium-sized businesses in Northern Ireland? Um, because there's no provision for them in this, they would have to go and employ customs agents to undertake this work for them. There's the added costs on that, there's the time delays, and a lot of the goods that cross the Irish border, Frank, 70% of the freight crossing the border today is ingredients and components used in food manufacturing or urgent manufacturing. So the lead times are affected in this as well, because obviously you couldn't um, you couldn't arrive your goods, let's say, at one of these customs posts if you actually haven't submitted the paperwork online via a customs agent. So huge complexity on this. And like I said, it's very easy for someone in London to come up with this plan and say it works in Dover, so we'll make it work in Northern Ireland. It's, it's comparing apples and oranges. You don't get a sense that it's going to be very convenient for the freight driver, and that's who you're most concerned about. But if we're... In two different systems, checks have to be adhered to. So therefore, those who are involved in freight transport will have to just take on the, the task of delivering what the law demands. Will, 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 that add to, will that add to prices? Of course, thank you. And, and there's, a, there's a kind of a, a misconception out there as well, especially in a, a lot of the businesses, um, where they think the haulier will just take care of all this for them. And, and that might be right in some cases where some logistics companies can do customs declarations, but it's few and far between the amount of companies that can do that. And I've had a lot of hauliers say to me in recent weeks that they're talking to their customers and the customers aren't prepared for anything like this because they're saying, well, we'll just let you deal with it. And the simple thing is, is that a, a lorry driver could not take goods over the border if the client, the shipper, the exporter in Northern Ireland have not completed all the customs paperwork and have their reference number from HMRC to proceed with that because ultimately, legally, they'd be smuggling and the vehicle could be faced with being impounded in that scenario. So uh, there's a massive problem here. You know, it, I, I think when people say, you know, the amount of trade across the border today, we're looking around about 14,000 lorries crossing the border a day. I, I think this system would quickly um, find itself submerged in bureaucracy, paperwork and delays. And like you said, lorry drivers would end up sitting at some of these customs posts um, for, it could be 10 minutes, could be an hour, could be longer. On the running cost of a lorry today, Frank, you don't get much change from a pound a minute for the operating cost alone. Yeah, you, you can also see, in fairness to your argument, you can see the possibility of an opening for smugglers, for people who want to be involved in smuggling, who'd be based in South Down, South Armagh, North Louth, North Monaghan, that, that general area uh, down towards the east coast of, of Ireland. The, 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 there would be, there would be a, a, a really a, a smuggler's corridor there, wouldn't there? Absolutely, Frank, because again, this system... The honest businesses out there would have to adhere to the rules. Um, I think if this system came into place and we had tariffs and checks like that, we would see less exports and we would see uh, diminishing um, exports from Northern Ireland as a whole, um, both to the Republic of Ireland, EU and GB, because we have to remember a lot of what we make in Northern Ireland is composed of bits and pieces sourced from across the island of Ireland. So that, that puts that into question. And then, as you said, within that 10-mile buffer zone running along the border, 
Um, what happens there, th- this paper suggests that there'd be intelligence-led checks. So the big questions I would have there is like, where would these checks take place? Physically at the border? Um, who would undertake these? Uh, and when would they do it? What, what, what surveillance methods would be in place for tracking vehicles? And again, goods, let's say you've got a factory in Uri that are making products. I was actually with a company in Uri yesterday, um, a large logistics hub for a company. Um, and they get basically orders in the morning for goods to go southbound a couple of hours later. So in their scenario, they'd have multiple loads having to leave Newry and, and drive northbound, for example, 10 miles to undergo these checks and go back the way. What's to stop other companies within that 10-mile buffer zone saying, do you know what, we'll ignore this and we'll just drive over the border and we'll maybe we'll take a quieter road. And again, that opens the scenario then to um, designated routes. So freight will be told you must ruse particular roads crossing the Irish border and then we'll have unapproved roads re-emerging again and we, we've seen you know, 20 odd years ago a lot of these roads been reopened and the big fear that we would have because hauliers will always use the quickest point to get from A to B is that if there is seem to be some people flouting the rules and smuggling goods is that you could then see the reintroduction of some of these roads being closed or restricted to traffic. In fairness, it is a leaked document. RTE revealed it last night. Simon Coveney has rejected it. But Boris Johnson's denying that it's a particular proposal within his his plan. So uh, maybe it's, there's a lot of bluster about nothing here because anyone who knows the border would probably, you know, with an educated guess, could see that your argument is very strong. Yeah, you know, there's an element of this there where it could be the government um, dipping their toe under the water and seeing what, what it's like. Then what kind of reaction they're going to get here, both politically, locally in Northern Ireland and also from the EU and from Dublin. So there might be a bit of that. And maybe that's a, a glimmer of light where, you know, well, this is where they're starting their negotiations. Would we see that softening in due course? I don't know. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence at the moment that we're going to see a softening of this. We could be looking at one of two scenarios that the position softens or that that's the beginning of the blame game where people start saying, well, we offered a solution and it was thrown back in our faces. So a no deal happens by default because of that at the end of this month. Well, at least we have loads of time. We have the whole month. Yeah, we've got we've got a month, Frank. Um, it, it, it really is scary out there. Um, the, the sheer amount of, of freight, you know, five times as much freight crosses the Irish border than goes across the Irish Sea. It's lesser in value, though, and that's because of just the nature of the goods. It's, it's those ingredients and components I talked about. Um, and I, the big fear that we have when I speak to companies on the ground, like I said, I was in Newry yesterday meeting several companies, is that these barriers will restrict and inhibit the ability of Northern Ireland and Northern Ireland businesses to export goods to around the world, around Europe, and within the UK, because their 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 point of, you know their point of purchase maybe they might be buying components or ingredients from a supplier in Cork overnight that they would be faced with tariffs with customs controls things like this which then puts them on um, means prices increase on their goods and makes us less competitive against manufacturers of similar products in England, Scotland and Wales. Seamus, really appreciate your input. Thank you very much indeed. Seamus Lehany is with the Freight Trade Association. Would you want to be in the freight trade at this moment? But as I say, we've got a whole month. Um, Let me speak to Amanda Ferguson. Amanda, good morning. Good morning, Frank. It's hard to believe, Amanda, this is the 1st of October and it's this month that 
we need answers. Can you imagine being involved in the freight trade game? Or he's sitting in a particular part of Ireland, and I'm not going to name any one individual small community or other, where you've a desire to be a successful smuggler and you hear this sort of idea that there'd be a big checking area about Banbridge and another big checking area somewhere between Dundalk and Drogheda and you're just looking at all that land in between the two of them and thinking, hallelujah. Is that the way you see it? Well, what I do know is from speaking to people in the business community, from seeing the commentary on social media, from talking to the different people that I interview, that the uncertainty is sort of causing anxiety for many people to to go through the roof. Now, whenever I was in Dublin a couple of weeks ago, whenever Boris Johnson was visiting Leo Varadkar for the first time, and he told reporters at the time that he had an abundance of proposals um, that to, to present as an alternative to to uh, you know the, the backstop, which was the the the, the sort of uh, fallback position, and people were saying, well, you know, what are these alternative arrangements? You know, um, what, what might they be? And it was all very hush hush at that point. And then last week I was in London and I took the opportunity to ask the Prime Minister again, and he said you know, the the talks would benefit from quiet at the moment. So I'm sure that he's not particularly pleased that that, that RTE had reported this uh, idea for customs clearance sites. Um, last night uh, through their Europe editor, Tony Connolly, who is never far wrong on, on most of these issues. So this morning what we've seen is Boris Johnson has come out and distanced himself from the idea that they were going to propose uh, customs clearance sites on both sides of the Irish border or the British border in Ireland um, you know, to, to, to deal with this problem. Now, you have to sort of rewind it back a bit, and I know that this can get quite complicated, but essentially the previous British Prime Minister, Theresa May, she agreed in a joint report in December 2017 that there would be no infrastructure on the border and no related checks and controls. Now, since Boris Johnson has come to power, he has conceded uh, that there will have to be some sort of customs checks that the status quo won't be maintained. Now, this morning, um, he's dismissed the, the RTE reports as saying, you know, it's not quite the case, which would lead me to believe that RTE's reporting is 99, if not 100% accurate. And the, the, the sort of horror that uh, unfolded in the hours after from people saying, you know, we've been waiting months, if not years, to find out what the, the great hope was, the great plan was going to be uh, to ensure that there wouldn't be a hard border. And essentially, the, the suggestion that was leaked in, in whatever capacity last night was for a hard border. You know, the idea that there would be uh, a customs clearance site, that there would be this buffer zone 10 miles on either side of the border, just seems to smack of people's either ignorance or they're being willfully um, not caring about the implications that that would have for this island. So, you know, we, we know that uh, food and agricultural rules will have to be aligned. You know, how, how do you monitor uh, all those custom uh, issues? You know, the, the, the famous technological solutions have, have reared their head again. And, and they have been dismissed as, as uh, you know, for many experts, as, as technology doesn't exist to do what is trying to be achieved. So it's another um, twist and turn. And as you've said, there is only sort of four weeks to go until the, the latest deadline. But, you know, as we know, this is a movable phase. Who knows what will happen? next. It is worrying, it is concerning and people are beginning to, as you said at the very beginning of your commentary there, turn up the volume with anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. The suggestion from Seamus Lehney that you know Boris Johnson would be dipping his toe in the water to see uh, what uh, he he may be able to to uh, have have accepted is he is he fully aware of how the border works in Ireland? 
Well, you know, we know that previously he compared it to two boroughs within London and then crossing congestion charges there. You know, every, every time Boris Johnson speaks, um, he reiterates that he's aware of, of the British government's commitments to the Good Friday Agreement um, and, uh, you know, ensuring that that's protected. But, you know, we have to go back to the idea that he does concede, even if he's dismissing what RT have said about these so-called customs, customs clearance sites, which are completely unworkable. He has said that there will have to be some sort of custom checks. So that's a, a move position from what Theresa May has said previously, and it's not uh, something that the that the, the Irish government are, are going to be happy about, like the the, the of Simon Coveney described the the clearance site um, you know story that's been out um, in, in the last number of hours as a non-starter. You know it has to be the, the Irish government and, and the EU, as obviously they, they, they speak of one, have repeatedly said there has to be legally operable, workable solutions to the border that would be um, the equivalent to the backstop that would give the same protection that the backstop offers. And until that happens, um, then the, you know that that they wouldn't be prepared to move. And so far, you know, nobody has come up um, with uh, a solution that immediately people say, yes, that'll work. You know, we're, we're in the position where people keep saying, oh, you know, this, the, the Irish border issue is easy. Um, you know, uh, there, there are an abundance of alternative arrangements that can that can be put in place that it would remove the backstop, which is so unpalatable, unpalatable to, to so many Conservatives uh, and the DUP. But what actually is that? You know, if it's so easy and it's so obvious, someone should just say it. And unfortunately, nobody is actually saying it, what, what they're coming up with if the, the RTE story is accurate, which I would... Uh, and my analysis of it would be that it that it would be is that they're suggesting something that is completely outrageous. And just one final point, uh, briefly, Amanda. Considering the positioning of a zone close to Banbridge, we know that if it was at Carrigarnan between Newry and Dundalk, we know that if it was at the Camel's Hump between Straban and Lifford, that the big fear is dissidents would clearly target it as a customs post is there a suggestion that because it might be in Banbridge it wouldn't be targeted um, that level of detail hasn't been um, sort of discussed but what I do know is that any security expert that you speak to says if there's any sort of infrastructure whether it's on the border one mile, five miles, ten miles if there's any sort of um, you know, physical presence that, that, that uh, is red tape, is bureaucracy, is changes, changes how people go about their business, that isn't acceptable to most people, then obviously the dissident uh, Republican uh, violence element plays into that. If there is infrastructure of some sort, if there's something that can be targeted, it will inevitably be targeted. And then at that point, the police operation comes into play where if someone's being targeted, police have to try and protect those people, then they become a target. And we know that you don't have to be um, large in capacity or support or resourced to get lucky as such if you're trying to, to murder. Amanda, uh, thank you. The serious, serious issue of the border is now well and truly in sharp, sharp focus as we're in October 2019. Uh, This is the U105 phone-in. Good morning. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.